Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Job. The book of Job. We have been in a series called Soul Care. Can somebody say Soul Care? Oh, it's super, super important that we pay attention to what's happening on the inside. Can I have a good amen? And hopefully over the last several weeks, we've been able to shift our focus from externals to internals. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? And we talked for the last couple of weeks about prioritizing what's happening on the inside of us, your mind, your will, your emotions. We talked about how we were made in the image of God and, uh, and how we reflect God in the earth. And it's God's desire that we be healthy from the inside out. Last week, if you were here, we talked about stress. Did last week help anybody? Oh, man, I just felt God lifting things off of people. Uh, you know, next week, uh, we're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about rhythms. Uh, the following week, we'll, we'll go uh, anxiety. We're going to talk about anxiety and fear. But today, the topic today is simply this. I want to talk to you about depression. I want to talk to you about depression. Now, in all honesty, my default is happy. It is. I, I mean, I wake up in the morning How many early risers and you just singing when you wake up? How many of you, it takes a cup of coffee before you sing that song? Yeah, I wake up in the morning and I, I mean, I just, I'm, gl I'm glad to be awake. And it drives my family crazy. My dad used to wake up and I just, it would irritate me. My dad would, as a teenager, my dad would walk into my room, flip on the lights and sing, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. How many know that at 15 years old, I wasn't thinking very happy thoughts at that time? You know, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who love to get up in the morning and those who hate, those who love to get up in the morning. I go to bed at night, and I pray, Lord, if, if you wake me up tomorrow, I promise you won't regret it. Get up in the morning. I'm like, yes, new day, opportunities. I, I, my, my default, my bent is happy. Uh, food makes me happy. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh, yes, indeed. The older I get, the more I love food, too. And it sticks closer than a brother. <laughs> Church makes me happy. I love coming to church. And I think it's important that you hear your pastor say that. How <laughs> many thinks it's a good idea for the pastor to be happy when it comes to church? Man, nobody is going to out-happy the pastor. <laughs> friends make me happy. I had lunch this, this week with a couple of friends. Man, my soul was just alive. You know, I, I, love, I love life. You know, my bent is happiness, and, and I try to out-happy everybody around me. I have guys sending me texts, and they'll be like, you know, you look a little sad today. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. 
I have dominated in the happy meter. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how happy you are default. Life is hard. You're going to go through some stuff. Can I have a good amen? I've had my seasons of sadness and darkness and difficulty. And my heart for our church today, as we, ta- as we tackle this topic on depression, my heart for you is to know that HPC is a safe space if you're in a dark place. Can I have a good amen? I, I know we, we want to be happy, happy, clappy, sing-song, sappy, but sometimes we go through stuff that's really, really tough. We experience sadness and heaviness, and in this message today, I, I don't want to add heaviness on top of you, but I do want to step into darkness with you. I think as a church, especially if you're going to be a healing place for a hurting world, How many know there's a lot of hurt in this world? And this is not a museum of perfect people. This is a hospital filled with broken people. And we're all broken. Come on, help me today. This church, in a sense, ought to feel like triage. Not that we don't celebrate the goodness of God, but we're honest with the hurts of humanity. Healing place has to be a, a safe space for those who are in a dark place. And I know... The topic of depression, it's huge. It's a a massive topic, and it affects people in so many different ways. There's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to depression and sadness and discouragement. Uh, There's different levels. People battle at different levels. There's, There's seasonal depression. There's situational depression. There's postpartum depression. There's clinical major depression, and everything in between. And so I I recognize how big this subject is. And in 30 minutes, I can't comprehensively unpack it all. Uh, I'm not going to diagnose anybody today. I'm not qualified to do that. But I am a pastor. And I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm going to encourage you with this book. I want to talk to you about the contents of your soul through the lens of Scripture. Now, statistically, depression. I want you to consider this. During the pandemic in 2020, during the coronavirus, the, the, the levels of depression tripled statistically. And, you know, as, as difficult as that year was and as trying as, as all those challenges were, I think mental health, really COVID just, um, it, it expressed a deeper problem rooted within humanity. I think mental health is, is top shelf. And now people are, are having conversations and they're, they're recognizing things that maybe we didn't talk about before. And for us as a church, I want to remove the stigma that sometimes is associated with this thing called depression. You know, people struggling in darkness and isolation, and the church needs to be that safe space where we can wrap our arms around people because God meets us right where we are. You do know that one in three women and one out of every five men report having been diagnosed with depression. Think about that. 
One in three women, one in five men. And if I were to read you the statistics of depression among our students, this next generation, it is staggering. Uh, Teen depression, 60% of all teenagers are depressed, 60%. 66% say they have high anxiety. 75% feel totally alone. I want you to know the Bible doesn't just speak to us in our joy, but it has something to say to us in our sadness. This book addresses the human soul at every level. You know, I'm thankful that within the Bible, there's a book called Lamentations. It's the poetic laments that were written during the days of Jeremiah when Jerusalem had been destroyed. I want you to know that God makes room for sadness. You know, sometimes we feel like that if we're in a dark place or if, you know, emotionally we're flatlined, that maybe we don't have enough faith. But you read throughout Scripture and you see the Bible addresses these moments and seasons in life. And God brings dignity to those who are struggling to make life work. Even Jesus was referred to as a man of sorrow. Isaiah 53, the Bible says he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. Again, Jesus, when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says to his disciples in Matthew 26, he tells them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I want you to know if you're in a dark place today, God sees you. In fact, he'll meet you right where you are. You don't have to clean yourself up to present yourself to God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And this is so important. He's not just proud of you in your highs and ignoring you in your lows, in your lowest moments. Please hear me. You will never go where Jesus has not already been. The book of Job Let me give you some context here. I want to give you some specific battles that take place when when you're walking through a season of sorrow and sadness, discouragement and depression. There are specific battles that take place inside your mind, inside your, your soul. And there's probably no story that's greater to unpack this than the story of Job. Just like last week when we talked about stress, the prophet Elijah, I thought that was beautiful. I mean, here, the man of God, and, and in, in the scripture, the, the Bible shows us his humanity and how God helped him through stress. The same thing with the book of Job. How many of you are familiar with Job's story? Yeah, a lot of us are. Um, if you read the one-year Bible like I do, every year when you get to Job, you're like, okay, let's hunker down. Let's lock and load. Here we go. Because we know that Job's story is rough. You know, the truth is, all of us have bad days, but perhaps none of us have had a worse day than Job himself. Now, I'm not going to read it, but I think it's important to know that in that first chapter, you see a conversation between God and the devil, okay? Satan and some of the the angelic beings present themselves in the heavenly court, and God has a conversation with Satan. He says, Satan, where have you been? What you been up to? 
And the devil says, well, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Now, Job has no idea that this conversation is happening. But you and I have full disclosure. We're kind of a third party. We see this conversation between God and the devil, and it's God that volunteers Job. I'm thinking, if I'm Job, I'm like, Lord, I know you, you want to brag on me, but can you leave me out of this conversation? Man, I don't want any trouble. I'm just minding my own business, staying in my lane. And God says to the devil, have you, have you seen my servant Job? There's none like him. He's blameless. He's holy. He serves me faithfully. He hates what's evil. He's a man of integrity. And the devil's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all because you just put a hedge of protection around about him. You remove that hedge and you see how far his loyalties will go. And so God allows Satan to test Job. But now listen, God puts some limits. Everybody say limits. God puts some limits on that test. Notice who's in control the whole time. God is. God is sovereign. Now, he gives a little latitude to the enemy, but not without limits. And we see in chapter 1 probably the worst day in human history for a single individual. Job lost his wealth. He lost his children. He lost his health. And his wife says, just curse God and die. Come on, fellas. How many of you, when you're going through a hard time, you don't need to hear curse God and die? sweet Jesus. You need somebody to say, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to be all right. Look at what Job says there. There are three battles that are taking place here. And if you're taking notes, the first is this. Write this down. It's the battle of truth versus emotions. Truth versus emotions. The scripture says in Job chapter 1, verse 20, Job stood up and he tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. Interesting response. Fell to the ground of worship, and he says, I, I came naked from my mother's womb. I had nothing when I came into this world, and I'll be naked when I leave. I'm not taking anything out. The Lord gave me everything I've had, and now the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Oh, that verse right there is staggering. Job's response to his situation, there is so much you could unpack in just those two or three verses right there. And we know the end of Job's story. Spoiler alert, just want you to know in case you're not familiar, Job gets everything back and then some. Okay, all the trouble and hurt and heartache, God restores and redeems it all. But in this moment, I want you to see the emotions inside of Job. I want you to sense the heaviness, the darkness that's surrounding him, the wrestling on the inside. Job is declaring what he knows in spite of what he feels. This is... This is majorly important. There are four things that I see 
as Job walks this thing out. And I think there's something for each of us maybe to learn in our journey as we talk about depression. The first is shock. I mean, imagine getting the news, you know, back to back to back to back. He gets four bad reports consecutively where he loses everything. The initial trauma of that experience. Some of you are in a season of darkness, and right now you're just in a state of shock. Things have happened that you weren't prepared for, that you never saw coming, that maybe you're not even responsible for, but you're affected by. But it moves from shock to storm. I want you to see the progression here. You go from shock to now there's a hurricane of emotions and feelings. God created us with the capacity to feel. I don't want you to think that feelings are a bad thing. You know, God knows he's wired us, not just spiritually, but mentally and emotionally. You know, and so now Job is in this storm of feelings and emotions. He moves from shock to storm. But then you're going to see in Job's life, there's this thing called the search. You got to get to this, this season of searching. Once the emotions begin to settle, Job begins to search for God. He begins to search for meaning. He searches for purpose. And then at the end of Job's life, we see the sequel. Okay, did you, did you see this progression? The sequel, the, the, the 2.0 version of Job. The, the, the better version of himself even than he was before. And I want you to see that template. And maybe some of you, you find yourself in a state of shock. Or maybe right now you're in a season of storms. Uh, maybe emotions have settled, but you're on this search. Lord, why? Where are you? How to redeem this? If you're going to get to the sequel, you got to walk through the shock, the storm, and the search. Can I have a good amen? This is super, super, I want this to be helpful. This is super important. And, and you say, well, Mike, I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. Well, that's good. But now you got something to learn in a good season so you can apply it when the bad season comes. Because I'm telling you this, it's coming. You say, Mike, can you be more positive? Yes, I'm positive. It's coming. <laughs> you see, God designed our emotions to be gauges and not guides. They report to you, but they don't rule over you. Your feelings, they are indicators, but they're not dictators. Can I have a good amen? Look at what Job is saying in spite of how he feels. He says, I, I, I had everything, now I have nothing. Naked I came into this world, naked I shall return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Guys, listen, this is not easy. Sometimes you're going to have to speak a truth that goes against what you feel. And this first battle, truth and emotions, is a big thing. One of the, and I began to study this again this week, and God showed me one little snippet that I think probably helped Job. I don't have time to read it to you, but you'll notice in that first chapter, how was Job even able to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord during the worst moment of his life. Well, we find out in chapter 1 that in the good times, do you know what Job did every morning? Job sacrificed unto the Lord. He offered worship to God, and he prayed for his kids every day. 
He built a habit into his life. I don't even know if he realized what he was doing. But in the good times, every morning he offered a sacrifice to God in worship and he prayed for his kids. Can I tell you this? In times of crisis, we revert to habits. What habits are you building into your life now? Now, listen, godly routines won't eliminate the darkness, but they'll hold you steady in the storm. It doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to turn out great, but if you build a routine in your life where you're seeking God, you're investing time in his presence, you're worshiping him, you're consistently praying over your life, your family, your future, when crisis hits, you're going to revert to the habit of what you've done day after day after day after day. Even when you don't feel it, you're going to have to declare what you know over what you feel. Is this helping anybody? Talked to a friend of mine who walked through a real difficult season, and he went to see a counselor, and he, he came back, and he shared with me there are five questions. He said, there are five questions that I have to ask myself every day. First of all, number one, what am I feeling? Your feelings are indicators. They're not dictators, but your feelings will locate where you are. Watch this. Feelings locate where you are, but they don't have to determine where you go. First question, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling sad? Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling discouraged? What am I feeling? Question number two. What am I thinking? A lot of times, a thought is connected to a feeling. Maybe we're dwelling on something, and it's producing the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the darkness, the sadness. What am I feeling is, is the starting point. Number two, what am I thinking? And then number three, what's the truth? When you ask what is the truth, that can bring some course correction to what you're thinking, which influences what you're feeling. Is this, is this making sense to anybody? Years ago, I remember uh, we just had, Alexa had just recently been born, and we were living in a small house, and I was rocking her one night, and I, as before, I, I wasn't wearing my contacts, didn't have my glasses. I was rocking her. It was late at night, and I, I saw something kind of scurry across the floor. I thought, oh, that's the hairiest roach I've ever seen in my life. Then we had this basket of, of candy by the front door. Rachel and I were youth pastors, so all the teenagers would come over. First thing they'd do, they'd reach in that basket and grab some candy. Well, I grabbed, I reached in the basket, and I grabbed out this little Reese's peanut butter cup, and it had like a, a perfect circle eaten out through the middle of it. Ooh, I don't want that one. I'm just going to put that one right back. Didn't say anything to Rachel. Didn't say a word, okay? We didn't say anything about Harry Roaches or Reese's peanut butter cups, nothing, Okay? And then I'm, I get a phone call from her, and she's like in a panic. She's got Alexa, who's just a few months old, and they're huddled up on the kitchen table because they've seen a mouse in the house. It was panic. And so I said, well, look, I'll take care of it. I set a trap that night. The next morning, I woke up. Gotcha. The problem is solved, babe. My work here is done. I must go and save the uttermost parts of the world now. Two days later, panic again. She said, I walked into the nursery into Alexa's bedroom, and as I was walking out, a mouse ran right out the room. So now, I mean, 
I'm going to Walmart, I'm buying all kinds of poison, traps, pests, everything. I mean, now Alexa is sleeping in bed with us. She can't stay in the nursery because who knows what's going on there. So, so we're laying in bed late at night, and then Rachel, I, I get this elbow, boom, she wakes me up, 2 o'clock in the morning. She said, did you hear that? I said, hear what? She said, it sounded like a, a mouse tail hit the door. I said, uh, somebody's at the door. Mickey Mouse is at the door. No, a mouse tail hit the door. So she pulls all the covers now on top of the bed because we don't want them to, you know. So it's like, it's me, it's Rachel, it's Alexa, it's all this, these covers. And now I'm wide awake and I'm thinking, we got rats in these walls. You remember that Indiana Jones movie where they're in the sewer and there's like multiplied millions of rats? Man, I'm thinking all of this. And about that time, I felt something crawl up my leg. I reached down. I grabbed it. I said, I got it. Rachel throws off the covers, runs to the light switch, flips on the light, and I had Alexa by the foot. Remember that, babe? She's like, there's your rat right there. Now, let me ask you this. Did I feel something? Oh, yes, I did. Did I think something? Yes, I did. But what was the truth? Somebody had to turn on a light. Listen to me. The second battle is not just emotions and truth, but the second battle is light versus darkness. Come on now, check this out. Job chapter 3, verse 3. Job says, let the day of my birth be erased and the night that I was conceived. Let that day be turned to total darkness. Let it even be lost to God on high. Let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it and let the darkness terrify it. Job is in such darkness. Spurgeon said this. He said, the mind can descend far lower than the body. For the mind, there are bottomless pits. The flesh can only bear a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Some of you are in a dark place, and it's been a long time since you've seen the light. Now, you can't talk about Job and not say something about his friends. <sighs> Can I take a moment to talk about Job's friends? Oh, man, they're not very helpful. I don't even have time. They say things to Job. I just cringe when I read them. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that writes in, in the Bible. In fact, I'm personalizing this Bible that I'm reading right now, and I'm going to give it to Trevor when he graduates from high school. But I'm writing notes in there to, to Job's friends, and I'm saying stuff like, really? Oh, you're going to be like that? You're you going to make this about you? And, and they're trying to give Job all of this theology. Hear me, church. People in darkness... They need compassion before you give them your theology. 
I know we, we like doctrine and we like theology and all that stuff is important, but Job's friends were at their best when they sat with him for seven days and didn't say a word. See, too many times the church is too busy trying to fix people like we can fix people. How many know we, we don't fix anything? We got to sit with them in their pain. It's important to feel it with them before you fix it for them. Oh, come on. That's good stuff right there. You got to feel it with them. They brought more healing to Job in their silence when they just sat with him in his pain. Instead of all the theories and theology, and let me explain to you what, what God is doing in your life. How many know they made matters worse? Can I say this? For those of you that are in darkness, would you forgive us? Would you forgive the church? Forgive pastors. Forgive me. If I've tried to, to put a bow on this, and, and in thinking that I'm helping I'm only making it worse. I think people mean well, but they don't always do well. They don't always say well. Sometimes we think we're helping and we're bringing light, but we're only bringing heaviness and darkness on their suffering. Job said this. Uh, let me skip a couple verses. If you got your study guide, you can read that later. Job's friends were not helpful at all. But look at what Job says in chapter 6, verse 10. He says this, at least... I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. I'm going to tell you where light comes from. It comes from the Word. What do you do in a season of darkness? A source of light is this book. Cling to God's Word. Cling to it. You're desperate for it. Your feelings are lying to you. Your emotions are all over the place. I'm telling you something about depression. Depression at its core is a liar. Now, I'm not saying you're a liar if you're depressed. Don't misquote me on that. But in your darkness, depression will tell you things about you that aren't true. And if you're going to have a ray of light, it's going to come from this book, Cling to the Word of God. Man, take a scripture and put it on a sticky note and put that thing on your mirror. Take a scripture and put it on a sticky note and put it in your, the dashboard of your truck or your car. Put it in front of you where you can look at it every day, where you can read it, where you can rehearse it, where you can be reminded of it because you may not even have the strength to speak it over yourself. But God's word is speaking to you. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 that God's words are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Cling to God's word. That's a source of light. Immerse yourself in worship. Oh, get in the presence of God and just let his spirit pour over you. I'm going to say this. Make a playlist. In fact, our church, if you go to Spotify, our church, not only Healing Place Worship, not only do we have the songs that we've written, but we have... We've made a playlist that you can download and you can have it at your disposal at a moment's notice. When you don't have the strength to pray for yourself or even speak God's word over you, sometimes just worship and getting before the Lord, his presence begins to wash you. 
cleanse you. Like Saul, when he was troubled, David would play the harp, and there was something about anointed worship music that would drive spirits of darkness away. You know, Doug, our worship pastor, he, he sent me the link to a song that our next generation has written. And next month, this EP, I think it's five or six songs. We're going to release that. It's going to bless you. But he sent me the link to a song this past Friday called Threshing Floor, a song original from this house. I sat in my kitchen. I couldn't eat my scrambled eggs. I'm blowing snot bubbles. I mean, I can't even get up from the... Nobody was home except for me and the dog, and the dog was right there by my feet. I mean, I wept. Surprise, surprise. Shocker of all shockers. I melted in the presence of God. You know why? Because I felt the arms of, of Jesus just reach down and hold me for a moment. When things didn't make sense, fighting battles, pressures, I felt the presence of Almighty God. I'm telling you, five minutes in God's presence can do more for you than five lifetimes of anything you've ever tried to do on your own. Come on, can you put your hands together? I want to ask the band to come out here quickly, quickly, quickly. Let, let, me, let, me, let me finish. Let me finish this. Find your sacred circle. Find your sacred circle. In the battle between light and darkness, you got to have a sacred circle of friends, a small group, a church family, you know, pastors and leaders and friends that will put their arm around you, that will speak to you and encourage you. These are ways. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. Listen. Hear, hear my heart. I want you to see it. Everybody look at me. I know there's a lot happening on the stage, but look at me just for a moment. As your pastor, I wish I could go home with you. I, I wish I could step into that darkness with you. I can't. I, I, there are battles that you fight that I can't come alongside you for. As much as I want to. But I can equip you how to fight. I can give you the tools that you need when, when that darkness comes at you, when that emotion, that feeling is hovering over you, when you are shocked, when you are in the storm, when you're searching. I can give you the tools that will help you find the sequel to your life. Because there is a version of you on the... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. There's a version of you on the other side of this battle that's even better than what you can imagine. Job 2.0... I mean, as wealthy, as influential, as famous, as powerful as he was before. On the other side of this, he was even better. And I want you to, oh, if I could just take my hands and put them on your face right now. I would tell you, you're going to make it. You're going you're gonna to make it. You are not alone. Job... One of my favorite verses of this in Job 17, 9. Job makes this declaration. The last battle is, is hope versus abandonment. Hope versus abandonment. The, the enemy wants you to feel like that all is lost. But God's reminding you today that hope has a name. You say, Mike, hope's not a strategy. No, it's not a strategy, but hope is a person. 
His name is Jesus. Job says these words, the righteous will keep moving forward. The righteous will keep moving forward. And the pure in heart will get stronger and stronger. The righteous will keep moving forward. And the pure in heart will get stronger and stronger. You say, but Mike, I'm ready for depression to be done. I'm looking for the finish line. Can I tell you this? Don't look for the finish line. Some of you need to redraw the line and just take the next step. If some of you just being here physically today, it was all you could do to pull yourself out of bed and to come to church. I want you to know that's a step of victory. Man, you just take the next step. You know, just if it's hard for you to get dressed in the morning, maybe getting dressed and getting to work, that is huge. Don't, don't draw the finish line of depression and say, when am I out of depression? You just take the next step because step by step, the righteous will keep moving forward and those with clean hands and pure hearts get stronger and stronger and stronger. I can't preach you out of depression. The, the, the goal of today was not to preach you out of depression. It was to just encourage you to take the next step. For some of you, that next step needs to be to reach out and talk to a pastor or a spiritual leader. We've got a team here. We're not licensed professionals, but we're pastors and leaders. If you need to reach out and get help, make an appointment, do that this week. Information should be on the screen. Call us, text us, email us, click on that QR code, reach out to us. We are here for you. But listen to me. Some of you may need to sit down with a licensed professional counselor. Maybe that's the next step for you. Maybe some of you need to see a doctor because there's something physically, there's something chemically that's taking place in your body. God uses counselors. He uses doctors. He uses medication. He uses trauma-informed care. I'm telling you, God is the source of healing, but he will use whatever, whenever, however to help his people. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.